Welcome to Intriguing Beings, a new podcast with me, Rue Chater. Over the last 20 years, I have been lucky enough to meet and interview a host of interesting people. This summer, I decided to record some of these conversations for a new podcast. Episode 2 with Dave Hastelow. I'm really excited about this next podcast, mainly because when I set out to do this, I didn't just want to interview pro riders. I wanted to talk to people from across the water sports industry and maybe even further afield. The goal was always interesting and inspiring people and my next guest is certainly that. Kiteboarding is such a unique sport. It's so incredibly addictive. You can see it in the eyes of someone who first flies that big powerful kite. They get that wild look. The number of people I have met who have quit their jobs, changed their lives and followed the wind over the years is incredible. I even count myself amongst that list. My next guest is David Hastelow and he epitomises what I've just said more than most. You might have heard of him, but probably not. 20 years ago, Dave learned to kitesurf. Like so many of us, he became hooked and fell in love with the sport. From those humble beginnings, he has gone on to become the division manager for Cabrina, one of the biggest kiteboarding brands in the business, and he's second only to Pete Cabrina, the driving force behind the brand. Some of you listening to this might have just learned to kitesurf yourselves. Imagine where the next 20 years might take you. Dave's incredible journey was fuelled by the amazing ability to say yes, even when it meant uprooting his wife and missing out on a house they put a deposit on, or when saying yes meant leaving the idyllic life in the Caribbean to return to England. Dave's a yes man, and it's taken him a long way, arguably to one of the top jobs in the kiteboarding business. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be a tester for a kite brand and get paid to kite surf all day long, then this one's for you too. I really hope you enjoy this next podcast, and don't forget to subscribe share it on social media and tell your friends about it. I'm sat here in a very uh, hot van that's probably going to get hotter with Dave Hastelow uh, from Cabrina. Hello. Um, I first met Dave quite a long time ago now, um, back in sort of kite surfing early days. And uh, he's got quite an interesting story of, of where he's been and what he's up to. So I thought it'd be an interesting person to chat to. For the series, yeah. so the first thing I'm going to um, ask Dave is, I seem to recall, like, you were living on a Caribbean island, uh, and then you somehow got persuaded to come back to the UK by Chris <laughs> Martin, I believe. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was based in St. Lucia, yep. and then, I don't know, kind of, we wanted to leave St. Lucia, it was just kind of got to the end of it, and we figured out where to go, and we came back to England and met up with Chris, and did the UK for six months until I was lucky enough to get a phone call. And which was the the next the stage next the next generation and so when you were in St Lucia what were you doing there I was kiting a lot yeah <laughs> there was a ton of kiting um, I was acting as a sales rep for Cabrina okay in, in the Caribbean okay so the whole so of the Caribbean kind of I, area kind of the windward so pretty much St Martin downwards yeah it's kind of like my territory and how did you end up because you're British originally right yeah so you got a British passport so how on earth did someone like you end up in St Lucia we selling kite surfing man, gear it was. I had a shop in the UK. I had a shop in the Isle of Man. Yeah. And then, I don't know, we kind of got, the weather was not so great. And 
we decided to like we sold our shop my family sold like my parents sold their business and we all just emigrated we moved to st lucia oh wow it just took a, a chance and, and we went out and we based out there and we did seven years like me and my wife in st lucia yeah. and then we left my family's still there oh really so, so they stayed they stayed because they retire they just they go to the coffee shop so what on earth did chris martin say and uh chris martin uh for those who don't know who he is he's the uk cabrina rep uh, who, if you cut him in half, it'd be like a stick of rock with Cabrina written all around the inside <laughs> of him. But what on earth did he say to get you to come from St. Lucia to the UK? I, don't, I think we, it was part, yeah, part of that, he was just wanted some help over here. So yeah. we come back for Cabrina to, to help out here. And then, like, my wife's family is all from here. So okay. We just, it's just an easier place to come. And yeah. I don't know, I, I did a, I had a little taste of it, like the UK scene before. Yeah. And I was, it was pretty awesome. So yeah. we, it was it was awesome. We came back. It's the whole van culture. We had yeah six months of with the BKSA yeah traveling around those guys and and it was incredible actually yeah and it's I don't think that's replicated anywhere else. It was so unique really yeah and it's so the UK scene that you get here where everyone's traveling to events and having amazing. competitions and stuff you don't really see that. I haven't maybe I would just haven't been into those places, but the UK it's just there it was something so special about it and. Actually, coming back to this event now is the same. Like, I see everyone like camped up, and it's the same people actually. Yeah. A lot of the original guys who were doing it back then are still going, and it's yeah. a pretty incredible atmosphere. It is quite funny the amount of faces that you see. I mean, it's the it's the kite surfing Armada this weekend, which is probably the biggest UK kite surfing event on the calendar. And yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to even get anywhere without shaking hands with someone yeah, or insane. bumping into someone and just like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen you for ages. Oh, what are you up to? And, um, you know, what's going on and everything like that. It's kind of, yeah, it's tricky to go anywhere. And it's nice that there is that kind of scene. Um, you know, it, it goes up and down and peaks and troughs, but it certainly seems to be quite vibrant at the moment. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned that when you di- you're in the UK, you're working with Chris, yeah. um, you're kind of helping out with Cabrina in the UK in that format. And then you got a call. The call. I did. I was. I'd literally just put a deposit down on a flat. Oh no way, Boscombe. No way. <laughs> and, and like a week later, I got a phone call from. It was actually from the guys in Hong Kong, just saying that if I'm interested, there's a there's a job position, and I got to fly out to Maui. Wow. And it was like, it was like Boscombe, Maui, Maui and I, we chose Maui. Yeah, I can and, understand that. And, and so that was quite a while ago. Now. That was. It's going to be eight, nine, maybe nine years ago. Wow. Is when that happened. And then, yeah, we just moved out and we did a, a year in and out of Maui. And then they moved me to Hong Kong. Right. So I was Which, based in Hong Kong for... That's not quite the dream ticket. Not, not the same, but I don't know. It's, it's a pretty awesome place to travel from. So right. we got like Bali was three hours away. That's okay. So good surf on your doorstep. Pretty fun. And it, I don't know. I learned a lot. I worked in the factory. So you get to see how it's how things manufactured and, and all that. And Cabrina have their own factory, right? For we, manufacturing yes, yeah, yeah, Pride Group Performance. We have yeah. a factory performance manufacturing and, and we do all our kites. And it's awesome for us because we can actually develop stuff as to yeah. what we want. You have our own facility. We have a, a sample room where we can go in and try things. And yeah, so it's been, that side was, that's really good to, to know. And that's helped actually knowing how the factory works helps with. Yeah everything else and so you end up in hong kong how long were you in hong kong for five years i was going to be there for one year yeah 
and then, then, then I was going to trans. Then I was transferring over to Hawaii, and it turned into five. And how did because um, Rachel, your wife, how yeah. did she feel about? Oh, we're going to Maui, and then all oh, no, we're in Hong Kong she, for five years. Is she all right with that? <laughs> she was all right actually, because like I said, Hong Kong at the beginning was was super fun. Yeah, and we it was just me and her, and it, it's pretty happening place like it doesn't stop there's always something you can do and yeah and traveling is good it changed a little bit when i when our son was born yeah but at that point we knew that the change was coming and that you were going to go back to maui back to maui so okay so when that happened it was yeah that was pretty awesome that was four just over four years ago so you've done last four years in maui, in maui. wow and so let's talk a little bit about your role um with Cabrina having sort of learned how you've got there in a very meandering part of <laughs> obviously saying everywhere. saying yes at the right moments to the right things yeah. that have um, led you to that point but now you're um well I know when you first went over there it was part of the product testing you were sort yeah. of chief tester kind yeah, of thing yeah. for Cabrina so what does that involve like that sounds probably to most people like a dream job oh I'm the chief tester for it's... a kite company but is it the dream job is it as good as it sounds or is it a lot of hard work? It's it's pretty, I'm not going to say it's a bad job because <laughs> it was actually pretty, it's pretty amazing. You do, yeah. you get to kite all the time. It's not as great as you think because you, a lot of times you're riding products you wouldn't normally in your style of riding want to ride and, and you have to rack up hours and then the stuff which comes out, which you got to do certain things too, which you don't really want to go out and do a full pack down in the ocean in Hawaii when it's like, fish with teeth swimming around and all that kind of stuff and you got to do it and because you've got to test it and make sure it works do all that kind of thing yeah, and put it through the ringer and and then there's a ton of paperwork which is that's the one side of it which isn't so much fun you, you spend so much time writing reports and documenting the stuff but yeah i, I can't say it was a, a really bad. bad bad job it's pretty amazing what's, actually what's the sort of process i guess from um you know, we, we get to live in this great age where kites these days are pretty fantastic and bars all work and boards are brilliant and kite surfing equipment's evolved so much from, you know, back in the beginning. Um, what's the process uh, for a company like Cabrina from sort of coming up with an idea to get to that point of you actually then testing it, then refining it and then getting it into a customer's hands? There's, there's a lot. We go from... Like we have every year we do a range plan. Yeah. So everyone kind of gets involved and the commercial team and the product team all get together and we try to figure out what we need and we look at the market and yeah. see if there's anything we need. And if we decide that we want to do a product, like say if we want to design a new kite, put the design briefs together. So that's all created and then it goes to the designer. And from there we just work on like our kite designer or make up the samples. Then you go over, we go with them and we test them and tie bridles and we ended up i don't know like a new kite if you were to do let's say we start on a nine it's yeah like the easiest kite to fly pretty much in all the places where we, we test and we do maybe 10 nine meter kites yeah and then you branch off into the other side so as, as the nines running you start to do 12s and then we do 12 has got like probably five kites you make of that yeah so and those like, are prototypes they're all prototypes yeah. so yeah. it's like 10 prototypes five prototypes yeah. and you've and just got this each one's different and then and this is the, the thing in testing is when you're doing this kind of side, it's pretty tough. Like you literally go out, you do like two runs on a kite, you come in, you land the kite and the kite designer changes the bridle. You go back out, you do two runs, you come in, land the kite. Tell them what was different. Tell them what was different. If he agrees with you, oh, it's not that thing. You tie another bridle and you go back out and it's, you're doing like six, seven hour sessions. Of wow. Just doing that. In and out. So that that's, that's probably the the worst part 
so in for, terms of that. Yeah, so although it's a lovely job, it is a job. It is at a the job, end of the day, for sure. It's, it's, it's something it's that you're doing that's work. Yeah, it's and you're watching time. everyone else having a nice time. And that was the thing like, when, when I used to teach kiting. It used to drive me nuts. Was like you're teaching and you're looking at everyone else enjoying the conditions and testing can be the the same kind of thing. Yeah, but then there's another side where you actually get to jump on the water and they got to rack up hours on something. You got to right. So you're literally just flying it just, just to, flying to to, to keep using hours. it, and you're riding how you want to ride, where and, you want to ride, and that's pretty. That's and that's the good bit. Yeah, that's awesome. You that's get the, the, the icing on the cake when yeah. it comes together. And it must be quite a satisfying thing to kind of work on a lot of these products and then see them when they're finished that's and get the customer feedback and stuff. That's the main one is the we have it every year when we do we do meetings like this time of year where we show the new product ranges for, yeah. for like the next season. And we've seen it for like a year or a year and a half in some cases. So you know the stuff and you kind of take it for granted. And then when you show it to people, and you see how like stoked and excited they are and what's coming and what's new. It's that's it's the most rewarding thing. That's the magic. Yeah, bit. It's pretty incredible actually. Yeah, and I don't know. And you, you get some, you get great feedback. You get negative feedback for sure on some things, and but that's also really good because then you know how to improve your products. So. Yeah, yeah, I, lo- I love it. I love seeing people use our stuff. It's yeah, it's a really awesome, nice feeling. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, it's sort of a. I guess that's the job satisfaction aspect of it. Sure. Is that you're working on something that gives someone so much oh, joy. It's, it's the best part. Yeah. yeah, and you get people come up to you at the beach and be like, because in Maui, I guess there's a lot of people that ride Cabrina. Um, so you're on the beach. People must know you're the tester. Are they, sure. Do they give you positive feedback and sometimes you, maybe negative? You, or get, you get all sorts. You get a lot of feedback. Yeah, yeah. You, you get a lot of positive feedback. They, they obviously in Maui, they get a little lucky. They get to see what we're what you're we're developing on. it's kind of we, we do our prototypes they're not graphicked up and, and stuff but they get to see it so we get comments all the time and then yeah you get some you get some negative comments but <laughs> sort this guy out dave <laughs> <laughs> but then and then the other one is like they're like oh this isn't flying right so then you end up tuning bars and you do all this kind of stuff as well tweaking it for them tweaking so it does it fly right but i guess it's all part of it and it's all part of the fun of it to be honest it's, yeah and then um, over the years in maui uh, you know, it's it's an amazing place. It's known as the mecca of um, of water sports, really. I mean, it's just a hub for for pretty much everything. Have you ever had any? Um, you know, you mentioned shark with teeth and um, having to do deep water <laughs> pack downs. Have you ever had any scary moments where it's all gone wrong for you I out have, there, and you've just gone, "Oh, I've, I've, I've had fucked up a bit here." Uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple. Something nothing, rather not talk about. Nothing happened. Like. It ended up okay, but yeah, I, I got in a, a bit of a mess once on an outer reef and ended up losing everything. I lost my board, I lost my kite, and had to swim in. And I was swimming in near the harbour, which is like the sharkiest the sharkiest spot. And, and it's you can't get it out of your head. It's in there, and you kind of like I'm swimming in. I'm like, do I swim fast? And then I'm in quicker. Do and I swim slash move? <laughs> yeah, do I, do I swim slow and smooth? But then the turtle swims slow and smooth. And oh. I'm just like, oh my god! And when I got to the beach, I was, I was pretty happy. Yeah, you're like stoked to get back. And how good. how far out were you on an outer reef? It took me probably forty minutes to swim in, Ooh. but it was a big day. So I kind of there's a huge current ripping and, yeah, and stuff. A lot of water moving around, yeah, and it was late in the day. So you, you make that mistake once, and then don't make it. Don't make it again. And what was the mistake you made? Oh, it was just later in the day. The and or... I didn't, yeah, just a lot. I was in the wrong place. It was busy where I was, where I was kiting, and then I saw an empty wave. Like it's yeah. one, it's this wave closer to the harbour, and there's yeah. no one down there. 
that's maybe the first mistake. Yeah. Is to go solo. And then I got down there and the wind gets lighter as you get further closer to the harbour. Right. So I was underpowered and it was big and not enough power to get you out of trouble. Type board, which I lost completely. Oh no. First day. (laughs) (laughs) The the board designer like called me in the morning. He's like, the board's ready. Go ride it today and give me your feedback. And that was the first day. And it was, I was gone. Just like, Sorry, it's vanished. Did like, you say that board was rubbish? I ended up in trouble. Yeah, I was like, it was all the boards too well. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if that board was good, I'd have been fine. I'd have made it. <laughs> oh, that must be pretty scary when you're swimming in in that kind of situation. There's a few. You're right. You can't get it out of your head. I've only been to Maui once. It was 2005, and I remember when I was just body dragging to get my board. I was just thinking, <laughs> this is just this is the most stupid thing to be doing. It's I'm like, trawling around as if I wanted to catch a shark. I'd attach a human to a bit of string and drag it around which is what i'm doing it's nuts um but it's also a a stunningly beautiful place i know you're quite into your mountain biking and you know there's a lot of other sports that you can do there so um how long have you been riding bikes over there pretty much since i moved there i got into it and i I, I grew up in the isle of man so we pretty much we had like a big road racing scene and then mountain biking kind of kicked off there so i've always ridden bikes and then maui has got they have a trail. There's not much trail in Maui. Like it's it's pretty private land. Okay. So that's the one negative. But what they've done is they've built a pretty nice area. So it's pretty usable. So it's really good. And they had some guys come over from from the west coast and they built like a flow trail up there and and it's pretty incredible actually. So awesome. It's pretty fun. That's I've had cool. a few a couple of spills. That's <laughs> not so much fun. They even crashes. Yeah, that made me realize I need a better helmet. So that was good. Yeah, that is always a good that thing worked. to have when you're mountain biking. Don't scrimp on the lid. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> that, that was the one mistake I made. So you can never have too much body armor either. If and you're going to go, I'm I'm covered. I'm head to toe covered. Well, you're a family man now, so you've got to be. But then my son's doing it, so that's the coolest oh, awesome. thing. He's like six. How old is he? Six. Yeah, and he's he's like like seagull on the roof. <laughs> yeah, he's he's six, and he he just loves mountain biking. So awesome. he kind of he cycles up. He's ripping up a hill, which is. The one thing I hated to do when I was a kid. Yeah. And then it comes down like, he does half of the trail coming down with me and stuff. So that's, awesome. that's the best part. I guess because with, with mountain biking, it's quite a sociable sport when you've got kids because you can watch them, you can be with them, you can talk them through it and stuff like that, which with kite surfing, it's such a singular sport. Like yeah. when you're out on the water, it's windy, it's noisy, it's hard to talk For to people sure. at the best you, of times. Pretty much solo. It's only yeah. on the beach you. Yeah, chatting you're chatting around the beach and then you're not. So I guess that's the cool thing about mountain biking. And then I know we touched on it a little bit last night when we met, but the whole surf foiling thing, you know, Maui's the birth child of most things, it seems, and now everyone's surf foiling. So you mentioned you resisted for a while, but now you're fully addicted. Yeah, I got um, – Pete's been doing it for a while. Yeah. Well, actually, if you think about it, Pete's been doing it for a really long quite time. a long time for surf foiling. But like the, the newer generation, he, he did it, like he started it last year and he was trying to get me to go out and kind of put it off. I was like, it's kind of happy, just regular surfing. And then, I don't know, eventually this year, like James was out and we just went out one day and that's it. Once you start this thing, it's so addictive. Yeah. Like, it just takes, like I drove past the other morning, like I drive past the Keeper every morning and I normally surf every morning and it was like head high, glassy, 10 people out. And I drove straight past it to go to the harbour, which is it's a harbour with like one foot white water, mushy waves, sharks, all this kind of stuff. And that's where I drove to. I, I just didn't even rather that than ten foot clean glassy oh, hookeeper. It's just insane. It was just 
the feelings. Because the day before, I'd had like the best surf session, the yep. foil session. And that was it. You get this feeling and you're like, oh, I'm on it. Yeah. And how long did it take you to master? Because I've done, I've tried a bit of sup foiling. I haven't tried prone foiling yet. But I can imagine that the paddle and the pop is the hardest thing that you've got to it's, get dialed into. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, if you surf, the paddling is, and the pop side is pretty similar to surfing. Okay. In terms of that part. Straight after that is a whole different whole experience. different ball game. And then you got to, so you kind of start off like you'd be surfing, and then the next section is once you get to your feet, it's like kite falling. Yeah. And everything's on your front foot, and you got to slow all your movements down. But yeah, it didn't take long. I think like the first day, my first wave, I actually got going, and I was just surfing, and I was doing little lifts. Yeah. So just like dolphin, just little down. tiny lifts, and it and it made the whole wave, and I was like. I've nailed this. The this so <laughs> next one was just the biggest yard sale I've had, and yeah, the crashes was, look hideous. Yeah, I was overconfident. I was like overconfident and like just thought I've got this under experience, and yeah, I thought I had it, and I literally like stood to my feet, slammed on my back foot to get, to get up, like, foiling, and yeah, then it just went. Really Have you had any mishaps? Because I know there's a few scars going around. I've had a yeah. I've got like. Bits missing and scars on my legs, and for sure. But no facial damage. Yet. No, I've, I took. Yeah, you took. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a really good tuck got a going technique. on right now. Right. As soon as you yeah, I was going around the back of the head, and I put my knees up, and I, I just go full fetal. Yeah, and it's get your uh, face out of the way. Kind of helps a little bit. <laughs> but it's I don't know. It's it's there, but once you learn to just like relax and, and not be aggressive with it, then it starts to work, and it's it's insane. Like it is so unbelievably addictive and everyone's now it's, it's like growing at a rapid rate in maui so it's becoming this huge thing it's huge and it's kind of like when kiting started where everyone was innovating and everyone was trying like crazy out there stuff that's what you see like yeah. every day you go out a guy paddles out on like a three foot five board he just shaped like last night the night before and he paddles out and then realize it doesn't work because it's three foot five and there's hanging off of the fronts of it and yeah and there's all and guys are making their own wings out of like getting mahogany and they're like really just like anything machining wings up and it's 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 insane you it's, guys are 3d printing you mentioned like 3d are. printing and then laminating over the top to yeah. get a bit of strength so that's that's pretty cool it gives you pretty much in like three days you can probably have a turnaround on a wing it's like a day to print it yeah and then you got to laminate it and it takes a little bit longer. Give it a bit of strength. And just, you were sort of almost talking a little bit about product again, but you mentioned your role, you know, obviously you started being a tester for Cabrina and then your role's changed. And now you're, um, you mentioned division manager. Yeah. So that's quite, you're sort of the head man just below Pete, I kind guess. Of, yeah. You're working with yeah, Pete. Yeah, I work with Pete on now. Yeah. So we've got Pete's the brand manager and he's like, does all the, he's the, the guy behind the brand is yeah Pete. there's all the forwards thinking and all this kind of stuff and where the brand needs to be and and things and i kind of do the day-to-day operations and okay and all that kind of side and the push on the sales and so you're doing a lot more kind of paperwork now than there's a little bit a little bit i'm really good at it. i'm getting better on excel my yeah. fingers are super strong like, yeah I'm a, I'm you've a got your excel master. spreadsheet down oh it's insane <laughs> i can copy paste all day long <laughs> Insert rows and insert columns. Auto sum. Yeah. You know, all the shortcuts. That's the one. Auto sum's <laughs> been the, the savior. That's once I figured that out. And do you still get to, um, like, what's the sort of, you know, a lot of people probably think, oh, wow, I'd love to work for a kite brand. You know, what, how's the balance with working for a kite brand? Because obviously it's still a job. You guys have 
produce a massive amount of equipment, you know, so there's obviously a huge amount of work that goes into that. How much time do you get to go surf or to go kiteboarding, to go mountain biking? Like, what's the work-life balance like on Maui? Yeah, it's kind of, well, in the mornings, like, I always try to jump in the water in the morning. Like, okay. Do something. So, sir, like, if there's waves, I'll surf or surf foil or even mountain bike. Like, you And try what sort of time up. are we talking about? Is that Try to get in the water, like, at 7. Okay, so then, not stupidly early. No. Yeah. I, I can't, I'm not. You can't be early person. <laughs> <So> <laughs> not one for those dorm raids. I know guys paddle out in the dark, and I just can't get my head around that. It's too early. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really into that one. But yeah, so, so go out from like seven to like eight thirty, and then Maui's it's such a small place. It doesn't take long to get in the work, and and then yeah, that it just depends what's going on. If if there's a lot going on, then you can pretty much be in an office all day. Yeah, to the end. If not, maybe you can try to we try to get out if the wind's up or something. If we've Sometimes now I'm not, I'm not testing as much, but there's times when we've got a product and everyone needs to get on it and give feedback. Yeah, so, so you have to go out. We have to go out. There's a work-related yeah. kite session. Which is kind of... That's nice. It's pretty good. And then what times are you sort of finishing? Do you get... Finish work, that's pretty late. Like we do, it's six o'clock. Yeah. Is the normal is when we kind of finish, but I don't know, we're, we're on touch with around the world. And Maui to Europe is pretty bad times. Yeah. The difference is 12 hours. So there's a lot of times we do evenings. So you have to work with a distribution in Europe and you do evening time. And a lot of times they're doing their evenings and our mornings and Yeah. So sort so. of working around it a bit. It I kinda guess. yeah, but it's I don't know, it's it's just part of it. It's it's part of being in this industry and Yeah. I don't know, if it, it's just that's why we do it. We do it for the love of the sport and love of the product and don't mind those sacrifices. Yeah. And as it's not a, not a massive sacrifice to make, is it? Not huge. Yeah, as long as the family's happy and to be honest they're asleep by nine o'clock maui is this sleepy place at nine o'clock it's all done it is i noticed that when i went there i remember we were there for the 2005 red bull king of the air and we discovered uh something called quiet time which was in spreckersville where we were staying and basically because we were talking not even having a raucous party the neighbors got very upset that we weren't in bed asleep by nine o'clock because it's quite and they were literally knocking on the door going hey it's quiet time and i remember one journalist from the times newspaper got told off for typing after eight eight thirty, they said you're you're typing really loudly. It's quiet time. Did you he bring like quiet. a big massive? Yeah, maybe. Ride. Yeah, it was two thousand and five, so maybe it was an old typewriter or something like that. But anyway, the next, the final night, we ended up um, filling the hot tub full of uh, washing up liquid and breaking it and partying until about four in the morning. So they they got their fill of us. But yeah, <laughs> I can see how everyone goes to bed and early on Maui because I guess you want to get up late and do you know pretty, get, get up early so you can make the most of the sessions before work pretty much yeah that's and it's dark it, it gets dark at like summertime at seven o'clock at night it's dark wow so you can't so, even really kite after work yeah, if you're finishing you kind of, at six so you've got to get that morning session pretty much just the morning is, is the main one and it's not windy in the mornings over there is no it? So, so it's pretty much just and actually there's certain areas you can't even like kite. can't even kite like kanaha area you're not allowed to kite before 11 o'clock in the morning okay so I guess from a kiting point of view, you you surf in the mornings or ride your mountain bike, and then in the afternoons, if you're lucky, you'll get to go with work. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got yeah. the weekends. So I weekends, you can do what you want, I guess, yeah, and you're weekends, in a, an amazing playground. The week, it's insane. The weekends is there's so much to do, and that's that's the cool thing in Maui. Like you can go to the forest, which is where we mountain bike. It's like up the hill, the temperature drops. It's super nice. Or you can yeah just hit the ocean and and do that and, and you go everywhere that's like different sides of the island and different waves to go surf and also yeah, it's it's pretty amazing spot for a little island there's a lot to offer 
So that's pretty cool. What would you say is the toughest thing about uh, your job and what you do? Like, what's the hardest thing about it? Probably right now with this new job, the hardest thing is travel. And it sounds strange where people, you say to people that you got to travel a lot and it's kind of this luxurious thing. But I don't know when you like this trip, I'm away for a month. In total, wow. so it's kind of a long time. That's away tough from when family. you're away from the family and you've yeah, got a six-year-old it's, it's lad. Super, super tough. So I'd say that's the hardest part. But then the other side of it is travel is pretty rewarding. Yeah. So you get to like come to this kind of event and catch up with old friends. That's and... pretty amazing. So I think next year I'm just going to bring the family. Yeah. And then that's then it makes that side. It's not no a problem. issues at all. So. And yeah. the cool thing is, this time of year in America is school holidays. So. It's not school holidays in England. Yet. Yeah. So, so it's pretty good for us. Yeah, so that works quite well. But, and um, what's the, what would you say is the best thing about living on Maui? Like what makes it such a pinnacle spot that everyone sort of is drawn towards, I guess? Um, the conditions are insane. It's like you've got wind, I don't know, it's probably 300 days a year is wow. windy. And then you've got surf in the winter. You actually got surf in the summer when it comes from like, the south swells come up so the conditions are out of this world but it's mostly just the people that's everyone's like-minded yeah and this was something i found like when i don't know growing up in in the isle of man there's a scene there was definitely a surf scene and and that water sport scene but it was pretty small it's like a small group and kind of got looked at funny if you had stuff strapped on the roof of your car or all those kind of things (laughs) in maui it's it's, it's the norm if you don't have something strapped on yeah if what you you're doing. Doing. <laughs> super bad <laughs> maybe depends on what circles you go in everyone's got strap-ons in maui i'm normally, I'm normally asleep by nine o'clock so yeah I'm you missed miss that scene you missed that scene oh you gotta stay up <laughs> but yeah i guess it's got that whole waterman feel going on isn't it and like you say i mean i, I was only there a short time but i could see see the potential of you know ev- like everyone is on that same vibe um what's the visa situation like because that, that's pretty tricky one thing that puts me off the us as a place to get to and to spend time is it's quite a hard place to get in so i guess cabrina looked after you and helped out there a bit yeah the, the visa was that was the hardest one so that's why i was in hong kong because we we're doing this we worked on a transfer visa okay so you do so long working in hong kong which is the pride group's head office is actually yep. there and then I'm on a transfer visa, so it's a transfer to a regional office, which is, is Maui. The Maui one. So it's that's the hardest part. For visiting, it's, it's actually pretty easy with Esther. Yeah. You kind of just pop over. You get like three months and you can come in and out really easy. But the, uh, the to be there for long term, the visa is definitely, that's, that's a hard one. Yeah. For sure. And we're just now going through the process of changing again. It, it never seems to stop. Do you think you'll end up becoming a US resident or anything like that? Is that on the Pretend, cards? Yeah, or? I think we, we've, we've talked about it a lot and we'll be, we, we want to be there for the long term and we, we love it. It's just it's amazing. From a son, it's probably the best place to, to grow up. Yeah. I mean, he's going to grow up and be just a ridiculously talented surfer, mountain biker. Maybe. Outdoors kid. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's, he loves the outdoors and it's, that's the one big thing for us. Like, he, just, he wants to spend all day outside. Yeah, and as long as he's doing that, I'm happy with whatever he's doing, pretty much. So yeah, and it's but it's it's awesome. He's grown up with kids over there who the level is unbelievable. The groms over there are just charging like everything, and there's kids in his school and kids he, he's playing with, and it's just such a cool mix of of everybody for Super him to talented. grow up with. And yeah, there's so much. That's power. a really good environment, isn't it? When you think you know, 
in the UK, I guess a lot of kids who go to school know that here football's the big thing. Yeah. So all the kids are playing football and they're kicking balls around and they're looking up to these aspirational yeah. football stars who maybe some people would argue aren't the best people to look up to with their behaviours and their millions mm-hmm. of pounds. Well, I guess in Maui, the thing is surfing and you're looking up to you know, all the surfers yeah. rather than a bunch of footballers or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's a completely different environment. Depends where you are, really. Yeah, so that, that's kind of how it is for him growing up. He's it's just suddenly got like all this, the young generation of like, Albie Lair and Matt Miola surfing and what they're doing, that's sparked off the next generation of kids. Yeah. And then there's a younger generation coming through now who you're surfing with these kids and they're throwing airs like right in front of you and just <laughs> pulling into like waves. You're like, oh, it's going to, that's a bit sketchy. And this kid will just like drop in and get barreled out of his mind. And just be like, yeah, no big thing. Nothing. It doesn't even phase him. It doesn't hold back. And wow. It's incredible. It's, it's pretty motivating. That is can pretty be awesome, demoralizing when you think you're doing well as well, and some like six year old kid shows you how it's really done. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's yeah. age, really. I've kind that of, is age. Just go, oh, I'm on my longboard now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of accepting that now. Yeah, so I'm having good. a kid made me accept that. You yeah, know, he's going to get better than me at everything. Yeah, at one point, they're just going to be leaving you in their dust. <laughs> you're going to be like, What are you doing hitting that jump? That's crazy. Yeah. Or, you know, taking on waves that you wouldn't even dream about going out in. Yeah, right now, I'm milking it, so. When you're better, wife, you're better than him. Yeah, so my make, wife, make my wife's like, no, no, you got to take it easy. I'm like, no way, no way. I'm like, living this. In a year's time, I'm losing everything. So. Have you signed him up to Strava yet? So you can tell him you're beating him on the mountain no, every yeah, time you ride. That'd be a good that. one. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm quicker than you. I'm quicker than you. I'm quicker than you. I think then... I've still got the up on him because <laughs> he hasn't got that many gears. So he's kind of <laughs> he's in a bit of trouble. With That's that. the only thing. Give him a really heavy bike. That's for sure. With no gears, tiny wheels. Yeah, there you go. Come on, keep up. But on the down, I know he's going to get me. For sure. Then it's going to be bad then. It's always the changing of the guard, I guess, isn't it, with kids coming through. It's amazing the sort of level and talent that they have. Yeah, it's insane. And um, would you say that you're happy over there in Maui? Yeah, I I love it. It's One of the hardest things in Maui is just you're away from family. Yeah. And like my family, they're they're in the Caribbean still, and my wife's family is in the UK. So you're pretty remote. It's pretty isolated in, in Maui. So that that's that's a tricky thing, but I don't know. Skype works pretty well, and yeah, and we get to travel, and so we go to try to visit as much as we can and, and things. But but otherwise, yeah, super 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 happy. It's kind of awesome. the place to be, and yeah, I don't regret it one and little bit. Yeah, look looking back on it all, is there anything you'd have ever changed, or do you think you made all the right decisions at the right time? I don't know. It's it's funny because I don't know. I always think everything happens for a reason, and yeah. And literally everything has happened and it's like led to where we are now. And yeah, I couldn't change one thing. Yeah. It's always been, I think everything's worked in our favor and there's been some tough times for sure. It always is, but yeah, I can't, I look back now and it kind of made who we are and, and got us to where we are. So yeah, I wouldn't change one thing to be honest. Perfect. It's kind of an interesting story, isn't it? Cause when you think about it, you were a kiteboarding instructor. Yeah. And now you're the division manager at Cabrina in the space of what, probably 20 years less than that? Pretty much. Yeah, it's been, it's pretty incredible. And from the Isle of Man as well, which is. And from the Isle of Man, which for people listening who don't know where that is, if you look up the Isle of Man TT, that's about what it's famous for. But it's also famous for being a little bit weird and a little bit strange and a little bit out on its own. It's a little out on its own. It's kind of like the Isle of Man is similar to Maui. It's not as remote, but when you're on it, it feels as remote as Maui with bad weather. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. The weather's nowhere near the same. It's windy, though. And the wind is cranking on the island. So it's good for kiting. It was pretty good. 
Yeah, it was actually it was it's a super windy spot. Awesome. Just lack the sunshine. Yeah, it happened like four days a year. So, so would you swap Maui for the Isle of Man? No, no, no way. No, no, no I'd lo- but I'd love to go back to the Isle of Man to visit. I haven't done that for like fifteen years. So one day, go one day we'll check it out. I wait till my son's older, and then I'm going to take him over and let him experience. Well, maybe we can do a surf trip there. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. That'd be pretty good. I've never seen any content come out of that neck of the woods. Yeah, man. Awesome. It's the hidden secret. The hidden secret. Well, look, thanks for that, Dave. That's been no really worries. interesting. I've enjoyed that, having a little catch up and hearing about some of your stories and things. Um, we're getting pretty hot in this band now, so I think we'll wrap it's it up kind there. Of, kind of warm, <laughs> I feel sauna. sorry. I don't, oh, don't I think I'm going to persuade Pete to come in here at uh, three oh, o'clock in the afternoon. He's not going to. He's not going to manage that. How hot it gets. I'm going to have to find somewhere else to do that one. Um, but yeah, we'll work it out there. So thanks for that. We'll no, leave it there me. and uh, catch up with you soon. Perfect. I hope you enjoyed that. Sitting down with Dave in the Ford Transit custom van really made me think about the opportunities life sometimes throws at you. And if you don't say yes every now and then. You never know what you might miss out on. If you enjoyed this, then please subscribe, share it with your friends and help me spread the word. In case you missed last week's episode with Nick Jacobson, you can find it online in all the usual places and it's definitely one to check out. Until next week, you've been listening to Rue Chater and the Intriguing Beings podcast.